I'm Christy Gupton, and I'm an Employee Benefits Advisor. Welcome to Healthcare Solutions, a podcast where we explore innovations in healthcare, cost containment strategies, and employee well-being. We'll discuss every way possible to turn our healthcare system back into the kind of environment where patient care comes first and costs go down as a result. I invite you to join me to hashtag Let's Fix Healthcare. Well, 2020 was quite a year, wasn't it? Healthcare Solutions Podcast went noticeably silent last year. We didn't record a single podcast. But 2021 is here, and we're back in the podcast business. So welcome to Season 2 of Healthcare Solutions. We'll hear a couple of sequels from guests like Carl Schusler and Vinay Patel, and we'll have new guests like Dr. Keith Smith and Dr. Kristen Dickerson. We'll even hear from award-winning investigative journalist Marshall Allen, who will inspire you to never pay the first bill. So thank you for rejoining our audience, and remember, together, we can hashtag Let's Fix Healthcare. Today's guest is the award-winning investigative journalist Marshall Allen with ProPublica. He's written some of the most thought-provoking articles on how the healthcare system needs to be improved. And now he's written a new book called Never Pay the First Bill and Other Ways to Fight the Healthcare System and Win. Marshall has such a servant's heart for the underdog in the healthcare system. By the way, that's all of us. And his book is a guide for all Americans who interact with the healthcare system in any way. We could all benefit from a user's manual for how to advocate for great healthcare without the bankrupting costs associated with it. So, Enjoy this discussion with Marshall Allen of ProPublica, but don't worry about taking notes. Just go to your favorite bookseller and place a pre-order for his new book, which will be released in August. On last week's episode... So the title of the book is Never Pay the First Bill and Other Ways to Fight the Healthcare System and When. And it really is a how-to manual for workers and employers about step-by-step, chapter-by-chapter, how to push back and win. The focus here is on the winning because I think a lot of times we know that we're getting ripped off. We know we're being taken advantage of, but what do you do about it? And now for more with Marshall Allen of ProPublica. And so I, I really try and show step-by-step how to, how to push back and actually win. And my argument is for employees, like you can save hundreds or thousands of dollars off of your family's healthcare costs with every encounter if you put these different steps into place. I mean, for instance, if somebody says you need a CT scan and you go down the hall to the hospital, you might pay $1,200. You might go to a freestanding imaging center for the exact same type of scan for a few hundred dollars. People don't realize that this type of variation is out there. Um, And so that's really the the goal of the book. Um, And and I'm trying, now I lost my train of thought though about what you were saying, because I was, I was going to make a point that was related to. Well, I was just going to say that, you know, I, um, I really want to have, you know, when we, when we get back to having employee meetings, maybe we'll never get back to that. And if so, we'll just have to have employee zoom meetings. And I just, I want you to um, either record as a guest professor with me, some employee education meetings, and we'll use your book as the textbook. 
Well, this is exactly, you're hitting on, again, Christy, I'm sorry, we're so aligned here, but that's exactly what I've been trying to hope to do is I want to set up meetings with employers, with their employees, and do a Zoom call, just like we're doing now, where I will show the top 10 ways you can save money right now on your healthcare costs, and then we'll do a Q&A, we'll brainstorm together, because a big part of it is also the strategy, you need to have the right strategy, and you need a little inspiration, right, you need a little hope, because it is discouraging and it is hard. I, I remember the point I was gonna make, and that's this, what I try and show employees in the book, um, you talk about that blank check they have from that insurance plan. What they don't realize is that it's their compensation that's funding their healthcare costs. Right. And so employers, I think, need to do a better job about communicating this because right now, we say that employers are paying a certain portion and the employee pays a certain portion. But the truth is 100% of the money, it's funded by the employer, but it's allocated to the compensation of those employees. Right. So it's 100% employee compensation that's paying for all of these um, healthcare costs. So if we go spending all of our employee compensation on healthcare, we're not gonna have as much money left over to pay wages. And that is particularly why there's a fiduciary duty tied to this role. That's I mean, right. They, they seem to be all about it, all about being strict about it on the retirement plan side. It's the same exact law that governs the health plan side. It's just that everybody gets a pass on that side right now. Well, so tell me this, though. Do you have some employers who are believers? Because it seems like when I talk to the employers who have figured it out, it really is like they're converts. Like they are... It's like this, the scales have fallen from their eyes and they are now, they now see the light. You know, I'm using right. all this religious Dr. imagery. Right? Yeah. Dr. Keith Smith said that his buddy, um, Jay Kempton said, said that it's when the employers have uh, woken up from their, their days, you know, they smelled the smelling salts. Right. Come out of their, you know, their. So do you, salt. do you have some employers like that, that you work I, with? I wish I had more. I I feel like that's like a needle in a haystack right now. I feel a little frustrated and yeah. in my little neck of the woods, I wish there were more employers that could wake up and see the light. Um, and, and maybe they will when they read your book. So, well, I, I hope so. And if they don't, you know, at least there's a lot the employees can do for themselves. Um, and if it's a self-funded employer, then the employer will benefit whether the employer is intending to change the game or not, right? Sure. Um, because I think there, there is a lot the employees can do. And, and to be fair to the employers, I think that they think that they don't want to cause any disruption for their employees. You know, they don't want their employees to be complaining. So meanwhile, they just let the employees pay more and more and go into debt and get bankrupted, right? But yeah. it's, a, it's a passive kind of path of least resistance. And I think that if the, if the employees knew actually I could get paid more or I could spend all this money on healthcare. I think every employee would say, I would choose to get paid more because the care is better. I mean, we're not talking about, you're not gonna sacrifice your healthcare. You don't benefit by getting care you don't need or you don't benefit by paying $1,200 for an MRI when you should have paid $400 for an MRI. Right. That doesn't help you, that's not better. So we're not talking about actually healthcare that's worse. We're talking about getting a fair best price for quality healthcare um, and saving money and protecting yourself from harm, and then having your compensation not get sucked into the healthcare industry. Sure. I mean, what a transfer of wealth that no one is really highlighting at this point. You know, 
like you said a minute ago, it's not helping anyone to present a third party uh, payment mechanism for primary care, when I think it's pretty obvious that primary care just doesn't cost enough to amount to anything that needs catastrophic coverage to cover right. it. Right? That's right. And so you end up um, either avoiding care altogether, uh, which is which is the road to nowhere because you know chronic disease it it needs to be um, managed and and those comorbidities need to be tackled so that you get to a, a healthier state and and the chronic disease is really not as much of a problem as it used to be. Unfortunately, we're seeing the reverse trend in our country. Um, diabetes and heart disease and obesity and, and smoking and all the things that are lifestyle disease related, all that stuff is getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And COVID, right. boy, did COVID ever exacerbated it. Um, sure did. <laughs> so, you know, one of the things that I wanted to, another kind of buzzword of um, employee protection, you know, is uh, talking about price gouging. And, um, one of our mutual uh, colleagues, Dr. Eric Brecker, which I, I watch his daily, you know, video. Yeah, um, no, he's, I, he, I have him sprinkled throughout my book. I mean, Dr. Bricker is doing amazing stuff with those videos. He's one of my favorite people in the healthcare system. Well, one of his uh, videos, he actually called on the government to, um, to come in and use the same rules they use with price gougers and natural disasters and he basically called our healthcare system in in a healthcare uh, financial disaster, and so he he sort of makes this case that the government ought to step in and stop the price gouging that's happening every single day and and has for maybe decades. But you and I both know that's not going to happen. <laughs> I'm not expecting that to happen. I mean, I think you know. Um... I think that we are on our own here, and I think that's okay. You know, I think um, we need to stop waiting for the government or the Democrats or the Republicans to sort all this out. They've had decades to establish, you know, a medical system, and, and we have what we have, and it's not because they can't change it. It's because I think they don't want to. Um, and I don't think we should expect the healthcare system to suddenly start accepting less of our money. And so we do have to assert ourselves. And that's why I've really targeted this book at working Americans and employers, because they're the ones getting the most ripped off and they're the ones with the most power to do something about it. And so I, I think, I do believe that we are at a breaking point. Um, it's funny, you know, they thought we were at a breaking point 20 years ago too, because the costs were outrageous then and the costs have grown exponentially since then. Uh, grown exponentially since then. So, but I, but I think when you have one in six Americans uh, have medical debt in collections, I mean, I wrote a chapter about how to handle a medical debt collector. So that's another book, chapter that's in my book. Well, that's a, that's, we should be ashamed of ourselves that we spend more per person on healthcare, almost twice what any other wealthy nation spends. Right. And we have one in six Americans with medical debt in collections. We have about 30 million Americans who are uninsured. I mean, we should be ashamed of ourselves. This is this is completely um, unacceptable, and yet people within the system tolerate it because they make their money that way, and our politicians also have largely tolerated it. So I, I don't think you know I'm not confident that anybody else is going to fix it for us. I agree. There, there's there is not going to be uh, 
anyone coming from Washington to fix this. So thank goodness you've 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 put down um, uh, the guide uh, to the everyday healthcare consumer to try to to give them you know the tools, the arrows in their quiver to to take care of um, these high you know bills. The, the thing that upsets me the most is that the bills are fake to begin with. They start from a um, an arbitrary high supercharged number right? Um, that only exists to game the system. Right. So that never should end up on an individual patient's responsibility bill, you know? And well, that's, and that's, so that's why I, I think, you know, I'm a very morally minded person, you know, like I started my career in ministry um, and then I, I, I got a master's degree in theology and then I went into journalism and sometimes, you know, journalism is, um, you know, seen as so secular, you know, that people think, oh, did you leave, you know, your faith behind or something? And I'm like, no, this is, this is an expression of, of who I am as a Christian, yeah. but, but I think very morally. And like, you think about those charge master rates, that's dishonest. Exactly. That's let's not let's not call it anything other than what it is. It's dishonest to trick people into paying more than they should for health care just because they're covered by one health plan versus another health plan. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that I think I just call discrimination is the fact that Medicare patients would pay one price. But then if you're not a Medicare patient, you're going to pay two times that price, four times that price, six times that price. Why, why is it that we accept that form of age discrimination in the United States? Like, why is that okay? <laughs> and, and this excuse of cost shifting, um, I don't think holds water at all. It's just what they've always been doing. They've always been exploiting the employer sponsored plans, sucking money out of our paychecks. And that's how they've done it. And it's not because they have to do it. And again, you talk, we talked about Marilyn Bartlett. Um, I don't know if you've seen her latest thing, what she's doing with Medicare cost reports, but she's put together a tool so that employers can look at what their local hospitals are making on Medicare. That has to be reported to the federal government and employer and hospitals are making money on their Medicare cases. So all this complaining, we can't survive on Medicare rates. Um, Marilyn says that's not true. And I, and I think, I think it's not true in a lot of cases. I agree. I had a conversation myself with a, the director of managed care at a local hospital uh, because I wanted to try to strike a direct contract on behalf of, of uh, one of my clients. And it was really just a single case agreement we were looking for. So I really got laughed out of the conversation. Right. But the, but the director of managed care basically says, we need those health plans to pay us a higher amount of money because we can't pay our bills. We can't make ends meet on what Medicare pays us. Right. But of course, I don't believe that nonsense uh, because I, I, what I think I understand about how Medicare rates are even established right. is that the hospitals self-report that stuff, right? right? They, they, take into account all of the pricing uh, or all of the cost structures, and then they divide it by the unit cost or whatever. They create the Medicare reimbursements themselves. They send all that in reports um, to CMS and then, and, and then they 
you know, establish what the Medicare reimbursement rates are. So, you know, somebody needs to really explain that process. So what, what Marilyn has done with her tool, and it's through NASHB, I think she works with, mm -hmm. National Association of... State Health uh, Policy Programs. Yeah, something like that. I'm yeah. sorry, I don't know the whole acronym. But she has put together a tool so that people can pull cost reports, plug those numbers into an Excel spreadsheet. And my understanding of it is it will show you what your hospital is making on their Medicare payments. And this is also why it's so important for, for all these healthcare changes to take place locally, right? Because your situation where you are is different than someone else's situation where I live in New Jersey. And so you need every individual employer and individual communities need to be holding their local hospitals accountable for their prices. Um, but it's a, I'm excited to see what happens if people start using that tool. And I think some will, you know, if you take that the cost to charge ratios, you know, and, and back into the math, which basically says when you do an image in the hospital, um, your cost is this fraction of what you're charging to health plans. Right. Yes. If you can take that math and reverse engineer a fair and equitable price, a prospective price, where the um, where the real payer, right, the employer or by default the employee, if the real payer can can call up and say, okay, I know your costs are this, can we create a cost plus scenario prospectively right. before the care is ever consumed by our employees, and set that up as you know um, an agreement that we have with each other? Oh man, I think that'll save billions right there. I think so. Yeah, I think so. So I, I love hearing um, about all of the stories that you write. And I, and I also loved the fact that you have this sort of moral um, 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 fundamental woven through your DNA. Um, that, I mean, that's just one of the unique traits that makes you seek the truth and find, you know, the transparency that we're all looking for and defend the side that is trying to do the right thing. So, but I'm curious, do you win every time? Have you ever had to sort of throw your hands up in defeat and say to yourself, this is just not going to happen this time? Do you mean, what do you mean in terms of win every time? What does that, like what, how do you define that? I'm a, you know, I'm a journalist, so I'm not even in the fight really in most of these cases. <laughs> but in your investigation, you're, you're part, I mean, you're part of the, the uh, infantry, I think. So, but from an investigative standpoint, do you ever have to realize that it, the story just cannot be uncovered? Not, at least yeah. not right now. Do you ever have to give up? Definitely. I mean, so I'm always working on stories kind of like there's a little pipe, there's a pipeline, right, of ideas that develop into uh, substantive ideas that then I can find examples, I can illustrate a problem. There are a lot of times there's a lot of things going on that I'm not able to do a story about. Um, you know, there's there's insiders um, who talk to me who can't go on the record, you know, they can't, they can't be named. And so it's difficult for me to show um, the truth of a story if I can't name someone. I mean, we, we almost never use anonymous sources in, in stories like these. So um, I really do depend on people going on the record or being able to document things. And sometimes things can't be documented or sometimes a story 
like I've been doing these stories about health insurance and the way we pay for healthcare. Sometimes they just can't be done in an interesting way. I mean, a, a big challenge is to make, make this stuff interesting. Right. It's important, but can you make people read about it? That's tough. So there's plenty of times where I'm not able to do that or it just takes too long and I'm not, I'm not able to nail it down. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of stories I'm not, I'm not able to get to and I'm not able to publish. Well, one story that you did uh, grab a hold of ended up becoming law. The, the principle of the story was that um, employee benefits brokers like myself uh, were um, being paid exorbitant amounts of money. And not that I get paid exorbitant amounts of money, but some do. And it, it was a, a, a story that came out in May, 2019. And, and to your credit, the principle, the, the premise of the story ends up uh, in legislation that was passed in the law just a few weeks ago. And right. um, now retired Senator Lamar Alexander um, kind of led the charge. And it took a while. I mean, May 2019 was, was more than um, a while ago. So something that you broke the story on ended up really actually as the mission to ProPublica, yeah. positive change. Talk yep. about that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, that was, that's super satisfying. I mean, a lot of times that doesn't, most of the time that doesn't happen. You know, we write a story about some problem and nothing gets done about it. So anytime, um, you know, senators follow up with a story that you write and um, add a provision or something related to the story, they, they can correct a problem. That's very satisfying um, and really thrilling for me and for my colleagues at ProPublica. Um, we just put out our annual report um, this week. And that's something, you know, ProPublica invests a lot of time and a lot of money that we raise. We're a nonprofit um, into these hard hitting investigative stories that are in the public interest. And actually, if you look at our annual report, there's a lot of examples of change like that. So I think it shows the power of journalism. It shows the power of telling a compelling story, um, not, not holding back, you know, like that's one reason we name names is because we want to be very direct and careful in the way we do it so that there's actual accountability so that anybody, that's not necessarily wrongdoing in this case, but it's a conflict of interest that's been built into the way insurers incentivize their brokers um, that doesn't work out in the favor of the employers. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a lever that the insurance industry and vendors can use to incentivize and sway the brokers to doing their bidding instead of doing the bidding of the employers. So this change that was in the um, Consolidated Appropriations Act it, it requires disclosure of all sources of direct and indirect income. And so, um, but it doesn't mean that that income isn't still coming. It's just, it, it puts the conflict of interest out in the open. And, you know, maybe more brokers will go into direct pay relationships with employers. Maybe employers will be more open to that, but at least hopefully there'll be transparency. And the way I kind of joke about it is it's gonna lead to possibly a lot of very awkward conversations across the country between employers and brokers, as maybe for the first time, they disclose all of these gifts and all of these benefits and all of these bonuses and commissions that they've been making that the employer might not even know about. Yeah, I agree. And, and you know, when I, um, 
I couldn't possibly read that bill. I mean, it was almost what 5,600 pages, but uh, leaning on the advisors that in my industry that sort of summarized the bill for me, when I was watching them, you know, do a webinar on it, I started thinking, you know, yeah, this is, it could be awkward, but I've already been disclosing my compensation since 2017 when I became part of the Health Rosetta. So on the health plan side, this is, um, this is not new to me. Now I have to add dental and vision compensation, which is no big deal. But I honestly started thinking about it as an opportunity uh, because then I can show them, I mean, I feel like I should show them the expense side of my business. Like here's yeah. took the money that you paid me and reinvested it into this deliverable and that deliverable and this piece of technology and this and that, you know, to, yeah. to explain um, here's my own profit and loss scenario. Um, here's what you paid me and here's how I use that to pay my expenses with that turns around and cycles back into your employee's health plan. Right. That, that, I think that's actually going to help the brokers and consultants and advisors who can really show their value. Um, and even the direct pay does not mean um, that they have to get paid less. I mean, I think in some cases, if the incentives are aligned right, maybe there could be an opportunity for brokers and consultants to even make more by lowering the cost. But it's just that those incentives being aligned with the employer, um, that right there would be a game changer because then it would lead the consultants to start exploring some other options mm -hmm. that may not be in the best interest of like Cigna or United Healthcare, but might really be in the best interest of all the employees of that health plans. Like you were talking about the direct primary care, you know, maybe it's a direct primary care Maybe it's not going through the bundled, you know, health benefits, dental benefits, vision benefits, PBM box, you know, maybe you separate some of those things out and build it yourself, you know. Um, this is also, you know, I, I go into this a little bit in the book, um, talking to people like, you know, Carl Schusler, David Contorno, um, or Josh Butler. I mean, a lot of them are the health Rosetta types. I know it's not just the health Rosetta folks. I know there's other people who are also very aligned with those ideas, but it's definitely this progressive, um, more active disruptive mindset, right? We don't have to keep doing things the same way. Let's explore other options. And the more that gets mainstreamed, I think the more employers are gonna be willing to accept it. And the more employees see that this will save their money while still delivering the healthcare they need. All, all these people I'm writing about, they're saving tons of money and they're offering better benefits at lower out-of-pocket costs to the employees. You know, that's what employees want, more money, <laughs> better. I want my compensation in dollars, not in money that my healthcare uh, or my, my employer takes and gives to the insurance company. Right. Well, um, I've sort of started in this new season of, uh, of my um, healthcare solutions podcast, I've started asking this, uh, what is a day in the life question? So, you know, I know everyone loves to, to hear about your work and that's definitely part of your life, but we want to know what you do for fun too. So give us, what's a day in the life of Marshall Allen? Well, these days I, I have to say, I mean, a day in my life has been writing this book. I mean, I feel like my wife has been like a book widow, but um, I have, my wife is Sonia. We've been married for 26 years. Um, we have three boys. Their ages 19, 17, and 16. Um, they are an absolute blast. Um, 
you know, teenage years are really interesting because it's like the stakes just get raised a lot higher and you realize that you don't quite have, well, you really don't have any control like you thought you did. And you just hope and pray that they make good decisions. So um, anyway, my boys are doing great and um, we're all in the house together now, you know, so I have a freshman in college at the New Jersey Institute of Technology. He's learning from home. I have a senior in high school, he's learning from home, and I have a sophomore in high school, he's learning from home. So we're all together. Like, this is my office here. This is like, right. this is it. This is my I life. Don't, I don't have a lot of bandwidth that you paid for on that internet package because everyone is, uh, everyone needs a lot of bandwidth to conduct. Yeah, that. yeah. But it's, but it's, you know, I, I mean, I'm active in my church, you know, we're doing family stuff, but you know, during this uh, quarantine, we're laying low. I mean, we, we love to get together with people and hang out, but we just haven't been doing much of that um, with um, I think New Jersey and New York got hit so hard in early on in 2020 from the pandemic that people are just traumatized, you know, I mean, we're very care. We're pretty careful. Um, yeah. We we generally don't have people over unless we can be outside. Um, and it's it's been all in all. I mean, I think our family has done really well, but it's it's been quite quite a year, right? Mm, no kidding. Well, I wish you all the safe uh, safety and healthiness that uh, that you can grab onto. So Thank if you, you don't already follow Marshall Allen, you need to. You know, first subscribe to ProPublica. And uh, then connect with Marshall on LinkedIn and follow him on Twitter. Um, and please, uh, please, the other thing, I just want to make one more plug. Please buy my book. <laughs> but also, um, for any broker, advisor, consultant out there, I really do want to do presentations for employees about the top 10 ways they can save money right now on their health care plan. So if you have a self-funded employer out there who would be interested we could do a Zoom call like this. I'm going to put together a, a really fun, like one of my goals is to not be boring. I mean, that's in my personal life, in my writing, in any presentation. I want to make it fun and interesting and have some Q&A. Um, I think we can have a lot of fun doing that and then kind of like get the message out. And yes, I am doing it because I'm hoping to sell the book, but I, I also am really hoping to help build this movement and help propel things forward so that people don't... Um, you know, people are really getting taken advantage of right now. And it's, it's frustrating to me and upsetting to me. I get so many emails from people. I can't possibly respond to them all. So part of writing this book and part of going on this campaign to talk to employees um, and employers, but is, is to really um, help people and be empowered and inspired to take on this challenge themselves. Well, consider it done. We will have class with Professor Allen in every single one of my clients and let's do it for anyone else who's uh listening i challenge you to do the same so we'll um we'll put some deliverables around that and and we're gonna do it marshall yeah and linkedin is a great way to connect with me i mean i've i've i, I really think linkedin's an amazing uh way to network with folks um my personal website is marshallallen.com it'll be up soon i'm right now kind of revamping it um but uh, LinkedIn is an awesome place to reach out to me if people are interested in that. Well, thank you so much for spending time with us Thanks. here at Healthcare Solutions. And uh, we will connect again with you soon when it's time to go to class. Sounds great, Christy. Thank you. Bye-bye. Right. Bye.
Thank you for joining our important discussion as we attempt to hashtag Let's Fix Healthcare. Please subscribe to our podcast and let us know what you think. For more information on the work we do at Custom Benefit Solutions, visit our website at www.custombenefits.org.